Good morning, church. It is wonderful to be here. My name is Aaron Girdler, and I am talking on probably my favorite subject in all of Christendom. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get much better than this, than to talk on worship. So I just want to set us a tone. Thank you so much, Scott. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, perfect. Set it for your wife, and it works for me. <laughs> um, why do we praise God? Have you ever thought about that? Because he's God and we're not. That's a pretty good reason. But why do we praise God? Why is it part of the life? The life of following Christ. The disciple's life. Why is it part of that? It, with just a good look at uh, Merriam-Webster, just a quick look at the, in the dictionary, it says, praise means to express a favorable judgment or to commend to glorify God, especially by the acknowledgement of excellence. Worship means basically the same thing. It means to honor or show reverence for a divine being or supernatural power. Early in my walk with God, I discovered this book right here. It's, it's the tiny little book, and it's called A Strong's Exhaustive, because if you have to carry this huge book around with you very long, you're exhausted. Exhaustive Concordance. And in, this happens to be based on the King James Version, but they have some based on other versions. If you don't have a concordance, get one or get an app for your computer. I also have it on my computer, but that didn't look as cool to hold up my iPad and go see. Um, in the exhaustive concordance, Strong, the guy, the man here, he wrote, he put every single word in the King James Version and a reference to what it means in the Greek or the Hebrew in this book. Every than, every the, every and, every redeem, every praise, every worship, every sin, every debt, every eagle, every horse, everything. And then it gives you the English word, and then you look it up, and it gives you what the Greek or the Hebrew word is for that. This is an invaluable tool. Well, back when I was a new believer, back when I was 19 years old, I decided I wanted to investigate the word praise. And you know what I, you know what I discovered? There are 300, let's see, 340 times in the Bible is the word praise. Just the word praise. Not rejoice, not honor, not adore, not worship. Just the word praise. And we translate it as praise. But in the Greek and the Hebrew, there are 29 different words that we translate as one word. Because our language, our English language, just doesn't have some of the richness that the Greek and the Hebrew does. And so, when, when, when we look at the word praise, we understand that it means way more than just, woo! <laughs> it, it, it can mean awe. It can mean adulation. These are just a few. These are not all 29 words. It can mean shout. It can mean stand and shout. It can mean confession. It can mean revere. It can mean fall on your knees. It can mean lift your hands. And we translate it as the word praise. But the scripture is so much richer when we, when we know what they're actually saying for us uh, to do. So we're going to get started here in just a sec, but I want to say this. We thank God for what he has done and what he is doing. We praise and worship God 
for who he is. We thank God for what he has done. We worship him for what he has done. Sometimes in our life we have circumstances happen that you go, I just cannot thank God for that yet. It's just not in me, and I'm going to give you an example a little bit later, to say thank you God for that. But I can always praise him, worship him because he doesn't change. So in the midst of my darkest time, he's still loving me. He's still pursuing me. He's still breaking the chains. He's still saying my name out loud. He's still calling to me. He's still for me. He's still the way maker. He's still the promise keeper. I may not be able to see it in that moment, but I can always worship God for who he is. Our scripture today is John uh, 4, 19 to 24. And it's the woman at the well that Jesus is talking to. Verse 19. Uh, I'm reading from the NIV. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Sorry, lost my place because I was looking up there. I guess I could do it too. Um, On this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me, woman. That sounds like Neil talking to me. Believe me, woman. (laughs) Okay, sorry, I digress. Believe me, woman. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on that mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and now has come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. We don't just rattle back what we hear, what we know. But we allow the Holy Spirit to flood us and lead us and guide us, and we worship in spirit. So how, how do we do that? Let's take a little bit deeper look at the, at the nuance of that. Got too much stuff here. First of all, let's ask the question, why do we praise God? I asked that at the very beginning. Why do we worship him? Why do we praise him? Uh, Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 says, In him we were chose, also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first hope in Christ might be the praise of his glory. That word praise there literally means adulation. It's a commendable thing. Why do we praise him? Why do we worship him? It's what we're made for. When when we receive the Holy Spirit, it's what we're made for. Think about before you knew God, before you knew Christ, before you knew Jesus, before you received the Holy Spirit. There were things that you would worship that you would follow, that you would put on a pedestal and think about, because we're made to follow, to adore, to find something bigger than ourselves. But when we come to God, when we finally know God, the Spirit indwells us, it's that in spirit and truth thing again, and we are made to worship and adore Him. It's a commendable thing. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7, and this you greatly rejoice, For now, uh, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer in grief in all kinds of trials. 
These have come so that your faith, a far greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise. That word there means adoration. May, re- may result in adoring God. Think about uh, if you've ever seen a baby. Held a baby, held your own child, held your grandchild. You look into that baby's face and what happens? Oh. And you adore them. It's instantaneous. You don't have to work up your strength to adore that baby. It's there. And God says, that's why I created you, to adore me, because I am God and you are not. And I'm bigger than you. And we are stunned in his presence. And so we want to adore him. Uh, Pastor Jim talked about this very thing in week one of the life. Our faith is proven as genuine and results in praise, glory, and honor when Christ returns. Our faith is proved genuine when we worship God. It's what we're made for. Secondly, God, this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. And if, you're, if you ever uh, come to my Bible study on Sunday morning, you know I say that about just about every verse somewhere in the passage that we're looking at. But this really is. <laughs> it's uh, Psalm 22.3. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. And this literally means that you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. God, this is, catch this. God inhabits the praises of his people. Are you lost? Are you struggling with something? Is there illness? Is there death? Is there a loss of a job? Is there fear? You can't find God in any of it? God promises us here in Psalm 22.3 that when we praise him, when we worship him, he is there. He adores us. He's enthroned on them. The word praise here means to laud, and it means a hymn of praise. When we worship God, he is there. He inhabits the praises of his people. Third, Psalm 8-2 says, From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. The word praise here means literally it strengthens you. When we praise God, it strengthens us. So prayer stills and silences the enemy. You got the devil sitting on your shoulder, irritating you, maybe putting you down, maybe throwing all kinds of guilt on you. Start worshiping God. Tell Satan where to go, how to get there, and by which mode of transportation he can take. Because when you praise God, Satan flees. This uh, word here, I already said that, literally means to strengthen. And fourth, praise brings deliverance and solutions. Psalm 50, 14 and 15. Sacrifice, thank offerings, praise, to God, fulfill your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. That word praise here, thank offerings, literally means confession and worship with extended hands. Okay? It brings deliverance and solutions when we worship with our hands extended and focus on God. I grew up in the Baptist church. Um, then I saw the light and uh, was at a Nazarene church, and we moved here and saw greater light and became Methodist. Um, but one thing I've noticed in almost every denomination 
is that we're afraid to get physical in worship. Now, I'm not talking about getting up and dancing, although I have done that in worship. I look ridiculous. But we're afraid to put our hands in the air. We're afraid to clap. We're afraid to kneel, although it's hard to kneel on these concrete floors. We're just kind of don't want people looking at us. And you know what? God says, I don't care if people are looking at you. Extend your hands and worship me. Praise, praise, praise. It will bring deliverance when we let go and worship God. Take our problems, fling them to the Lord, and worship him. So how, then, do we praise God? And I just, I just have a couple of things here. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15, which was in Jen's sermon when he introduced the series, says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Just in this little simple verse here, we see three ways uh, that we are to worship God. First of all, it's to be continuous. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually. Okay? And it, to offer a sacrifice of praise. And the word praise here means a praising act of offering. That's just, it's coming from your heart as an offering to God. Do not give up. Satan wants our eyes off of God. He wants us to focus on the problem, not on the solution. When we lived in San Diego, we decided it was time to get a pet for our son. So we got a dog, Haley the Wonder Dog. Haley the Wonder Dog was probably actually Damien's spawn of Satan, but she was really cute and she was smart and we loved that little dog until she wasn't lovable anymore. But anyway... She was smart. Now, we've had greyhounds ever since we had that little dog, and greyhounds are about as smart as a bag of rocks. I mean, they are sweet, they are loving, but you don't teach them tricks. You just let them do whatever they want to do. I mean, they don't care. They're done racing. They're going to relax now. But Haley was this little cockapoo or something, and I would give her a biscuit, and I'd lay it on the ground in front of her, and I'd go, wait wait, 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 and I'd walk away from her, wait, okay, take, and she'd take, but she would wait until I said take, greyhounds don't care, they'll eat it before you can even get it out of your hand, Um, this reminds me so much of Hebrews 12 too, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Praise fixes our eyes on Jesus. If Haley took her eyes off of me for a second, she'd go for the cookie. But if she watched me, if she kept her eyes on me, the master, and listened, she would follow me. She would, I, I would go here and there, and her eyes would always be on me until I said, take. And then she could go for the cookie. And that's the same thing with us. If we focus on the problem, if we focus on the cookie, if we focus on the sin, if we focus on our own self-will, we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. And then we can't be in continuous praise because we're down here instead of lifting our eyes up here. Secondly, 
15b, the B part of this, says, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Our praise is to be sacrificial. This is not something we do when we feel good about life or God. It's, it has to be sacrificial to praise even in the tough times. You know what? In the Old Testament, what did they bring as a sacrifice? They brought the lamb, right? Or if they were farmers, they brought the first grains. You always brought the best and they shed the blood. You brought the lamb. In the New Testament, the sacrifice for our sin was Jesus on the cross. So we have the lamb and we have Jesus. Now today we have the Holy Spirit in us, so our sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. It's to worship him, it's to praise him, even when we don't even feel like it. It's to say, whatever your will is, that's what I want, and I'm going to focus on you, and I'm going to praise you. I've told this story before, but I don't know. remember how many places I've told it. But uh, when Neil and I got married, we were told we could never have children. And uh, when Neil and I were dating, we were told we could never have children. And I told him, and he said, well, I love you. And whether we have children by birth or by adoption, I'm good. I fell in love with that man, I think, right then. And we didn't use birth control because I can't get pregnant. Six weeks after the wedding, I'm pregnant. And everybody's counting on their fingers to make sure, you know. And then at 27 weeks, our daughter was born. She was premature at a, what's called a placenta previa. And so there was not enough room in my womb for her. And she was born at 27 weeks, and at 32 minutes of life, she passed away. And she went home to Jesus. Why? Why, God? How, how, how do I worship you in this? I, who can never have children, am pregnant and carrying a child. And she's gone like that. Poor Neil, we met in May, were engaged in July, married in December, pregnant in January, and had a baby in July. And he was married to an emotional wreck. And a friend said to me, I want you to read Job chapter 1. I said, I'm not reading Job chapter 1. I know what goes on in that book. That's where everything bad under the sun happens, and buildings fall on the kids, and all the grain, everything's wiped out. I'm not reading that chapter. And my friend said, Read the chapter. So I read the chapter, and this is what I found in 1, 20, 20 and 21. At this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And I wept. Because I know that God is a God of love and he can never act outside his character. It's impossible for God to act outside of his character and his character is love. So taking our daughter Nancy home had to be the most loving thing that could have happened in that moment. It didn't feel like it, but I knew it was true and I began to worship him. And I began to heal. Turned out we could get pregnant. We just couldn't, I just couldn't carry him very well. So we had six pregnancies and one son who's now six foot five and a cop in Leander. So mind your P's and Q's. And uh, 
uh, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Okay, so it has to be sacrificial. The third thing it says is that the fruit of lips confess his name. That means that it has to be audible. You don't just get to go. <laughs> you, you speak it out loud. Because you know what? Satan can't read your mind. He cannot read your thoughts. God can, but Satan can't. So if you want to destroy the enemy, you speak the words of praise out loud. You don't hold them inside. You confess his name. It says that to confess the fruit of the lips that confess his name. Praise him out loud. And here's, some, here's just a few practical ways that you can praise God, okay? Uh, pop in a CD or Spotify, or Pandora, or go old school and put your, get your cassette deck out. I, I mean, you know, do something. And not only let it saturate, but sing it with the song. This morning I was listening to uh, The Blessing by Carrie Job on the way to church, and I just was weeping. You know, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Got goosebumps just now. Sing it. Worship God. Put the music on. Pray through a psalm. Have you ever prayed through a psalm? Let me give you an example. Psalm 145 is an excellent song to pray through. Uh, I just have a, a few verses here because it's a long psalm. I'm not going to read the whole psalm. But verse 1, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Oh, God, I will praise you. I worship you. I will shout your name forever and ever. I will never stop praising you for who you are. I will exalt you, my God, the King. Oh, Father, you are my God. You are my King, and I worship you. So you just pray the verses Back to God. Read the verse out loud and then pray whatever the verse is telling you and speaking to you in that, in that moment. Uh, one generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. Lord, I will praise you. I will worship you. I will tell my son about you. And I will tell my grandchildren about you. And they will tell their children about you. And your name will go on forever and ever as we worship you and we adore you. And then the psalm goes on from there. Another one, just a, a quick thing. Pray an attribute of God for every letter of the alphabet. When you get to X, be creative. Mine's usually Xeriscape. God is the Xeriscape, a beautiful painting in our lives. I don't know. I, I know it's, it's weak. You can say excellent and don't put the E on it. But pray, pray, just go through the alphabet and pray an attribute of God. Be creative. Use words other than praise and worship or rejoice. Keep a, pray, excuse me, keep a praise journal. Write love letters to God. There are, of course, many more ways that we can worship, but one of the most important acts of worship is coming together in the church and coming together and corporately worshiping God together. And I have news for you. Worship in this service at Rockbridge is not just the worship band, and us singing. That is part of the worship. It's extremely important part of the worship. But the worship service is the preaching of the word as it changes our lives. 
It's the giving of our tithes and offerings because we're worshiping God by trusting him to give back to him what he has already given to us. It is the fellowship, even though it's so hard to experience this in a, in a pandemic, it's the fellowship of the body. Those are all acts of worship. Two of the most important acts of worship in the church um, are the sacraments, the uh, baptism and communion. And I'm just going to go over this uh, pretty quickly, but... Uh, Pastor Jim already talked about uh, baptism on January 3rd, and if you haven't heard that sermon, I highly recommend that you listen to it. Um, but we are initiated into the church, Christ's Holy Church. This is from the uh, Sacrament of Holy Baptism in the United Methodist Church. Um, we are initiated into the mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. The introduction of the baptismal covenant says, all of this is God's gift offered to us without price, without price. Baptism is the ordinary means of rebirth and initiation. It's a symbol of our rebirth and our joining in in the body of Christ. That's what baptism is. And it's an act of worship. Secondly is communion. Um, do you know that there are basically three definitions that we use for the word communion? And uh, the first one is the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper reminds us that Jesus is the host and that we participate at Christ's invitation. Jesus invites us to take part in this meal with his disciples. Uh, he did that the night before he was crucified. And other meals he shared with them in hills, etc. The term Holy Communion, so that's the Lord's Supper. That's the Lord inviting us to be with him. The term Holy Communion invites us to focus on the self-giving um, of the Holy God, which makes the sacrament an occasion of grace. It's why we offer the giving of the peace and forgiveness of sins during communion. That's the Holy Communion. And finally, we have Eucharist, which from the Greek word for thanksgiving reminds us that sacrament is thanksgiving to God. When we take communion, we are joining with God in a meal. We are giving the peace and extending forgiveness. And we are thanking him. We are participating together as a body of believers in thanking him. So Psalm twenty-two twenty-six says, The poor will eat and be satisfied. They who seek the Lord will praise him. That word praise here, I love this one, means to shine to rave, to celebrate. So if you like going to raves, okay, you can do it biblically. And then remember, we can always praise God, finally. We can always praise God for who he is, even if we don't feel thankful. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, again, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crops fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall, yet I will rejoice. It literally means to jump for joy, to exalt, to triumph. All of these things are going wrong. There's no more food. There's nowhere to grow food. The olive, gar the olive trees are bare. There are no cattle on the hill. Yet I will rejoice. In the Lord, I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. 
and he puts my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to go to the heights. Praise puts you on the cutting edge of faith. Praise and worship draw you into an intimate act, an intimate relationship with God because you discover new aspects of his character. So this week, I want to challenge you. Just pick one or two of these things and start really concentrating and thinking about worship and praising God because remember, we can always praise him in all circumstances because he never changes. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you, God, that you have given us such great insight in your word into how we can worship you. I just ask, Father, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart were acceptable in your sight. Amen.